pretty good day. I have been in work mode all day long. I haven't even really talked to my office mates much today, but now it's time to chat and socialize and get filled up with the word. It's going to be a great day. Make sure that as you are hopping on that you say hello, tell us who you are, where you're watching from so that we can say hello back to you. Because if you don't comment, we're not 100% sure that you're there. You could be, you know, commenting is basically like the captcha of the broadcast. If you don't comment, we don't know that you're not a robot. So just comment and then share the broadcast so that people know what's going on. It's going to be a great day. I see Prilla. I see Holly, Marky Mark. I saw Ashley Melton a second ago and Chris Griffin and Jade. How are you guys? Oh, such a good day today. I am very pleased to have a project I was working on behind and now I can do other stuff today, and I'm really excited for the broadcast. But before we dive in to today, while people are hopping on and while they're commenting, so that way we can say hello to you, we are going to dive into our memes of the day. We have three memes plus a Barrett meme. Are you excited? The Barrett memes have returned. <laughs> Let's start with our first one of the day. Meme Tuesday, meme Tuesday. <laughs> Haven't seen an accident in over... In over a week, you non-essentials were the bad drivers. <laughs> I miss my squad, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods. Y'all, I don't know as though I missed TJ Maxx or Mar like I I don't know as though the last time I was in a Marshalls, but I I miss stores. Like I, <laughs> as someone who just enjoys walking through stores that aren't Walmart. I miss stores. <laughs> Though if I lived near a Whole Foods, I feel like I may be happier with the current state of grocery shopping. I don't know. <laughs> be prepared to meet Jesus outside. Did Uber Eats just threaten me? 
<laughs> Those moments where being named Jesus comes in handy. <laughs> and our last one of the day, your bear. Okay. So this isn't necessarily a Barrett meme, but it's one that I consider to be quite controversial. I would like your input in the comments. This one comes to us from Deborah Ann. She doesn't know I put it in here, but please put it up. I disagree with this one. 2020 came out all, all looking like a warm chocolate chip cookie, then one bite and bam, oatmeal raisin. Like I understand and I appreciate what the meme is doing. I understand it. I'm not going to necessarily, like, hate on it, but oatmeal raisin cookies are where it's at. Like, I would way rather eat an oatmeal raisin cookie than I would a chocolate chip cookie. So I saw that meme, and while I appreciated it, I, I did not laugh at it. Are you like Deb? Do you prefer chocolate chip to oatmeal raisin? I haven't looked in the comments, but I feel like Deb is on and she's watching and I'm going to look down and Deb's going to have some comment there prepared about how oatmeal raisin is like inferior to chocolate chip. But I'm just saying, okay, <laughs> I already see the comment. <laughs> it's not about liking one or the other. It's about expectation. I would be pleasantly surprised if I bit into a cookie thinking it was going to be chocolate chip and wha-bam, it was oatmeal raisin. Like, that would not be a negative expectation. I would be stoked about that. I'm just, I'm just saying. Unless it was a pumpkin chocolate chip cookie. That's a totally different ballgame. Um... Well, Jade is on my team. Pastor Nicole sided with Deb and right just like that, the ELT ladies were split right down the middle. <laughs> Which means that Jade is on and Pastor Nicole is on and Deb is on. Deb says that she expects, or Deb, Priscilla says she expects deliciousness all around. Way to be Switzerland, Priscilla Rogers. <laughs> Marky says that her mouth is watering. Stop it. <laughs> I'm going to scroll up and see if people have said hi, because I haven't said hi to hardly anybody. Um, Deborah Ann says, hello. Just like that. And she says it's been an awesome day. Mr. Chris waved. I see Julie and Johnny. Deb says that she's ready to walk around to Barnes and Noble. You and George could hang out like recreationally because that's what George does for fun too. Pastor Nicole does not miss stores. Not shocked. Um, let's see. Marky, chocolate over raisins. It's sugar. Like it's still sugar. Ra oh, raisin, that's so good. But then again, raisinets are like my favorite candy. Of all time. Ha, I'm marking in the back. It's true. <laughs> okay, let's see. Chris. Okay, Chris, have you never had pumpkin chocolate chip cookies? They are bomb.com. They are the best cookie in the world. Like, I, over any other cookie that could exist, pumpkin chocolate chip cookies are the best ever. You know the last time I had them? When I probably lived in Maine, because I don't remember them being made down here. I don't know. But Johnny Shaver and Julie Buck, if you would like to compete making pumpkin chocolate chip cookies and we can determine a winner, I think that'd be pretty great. Just saying. <laughs> Pastor Nicole says, speaking of carrots, have you ever tasted, who was speaking of carrots? When did that happen? Like, did you just throw that in there? <laughs> Speaking of carrots, oh, there's Marky. I see it. <laughs> I was like, speaking of carrots, how'd that happen? <laughs> Buddy says, 
That's like comparing Jesus with Judas. Oatmeal raisin is deceptive. Chocolate chip is above all. That's not true. Chocolate, oatmeal raisin isn't pretending to be chocolate chip. Judas was plain out deceptive. If you blindly go into a cookie expecting it to be chocolate chip, but you've missed the fact that there are chunks of oatmeal in the cookie, that's you. That's not the cookie's fault. Just saying. I've stepped off my soapbox today, and since I'm the one with the microphone, I'm going to only read the oatmeal raisin chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> I'm not going to read your chocolate chip cookie posts anymore. <laughs> I'm missing things. <laughs> anyway, back to Pastor Nicole. Speaking of carrots, have you ever tasted Julie Buck's carrot cake? Does that count as veggie intake? Absolutely. Absolutely. Julie... Julie's up for the challenge. Johnny Shaver, where are you? I, Julie has stepped up and is willing to have a bake-off for pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. I hear the trumpet sound. It's not the Jesus trumpet sound, but it's like the trumpet sound or like the bell at the beginning of a boxing match. Johnny, we just need the other baking heavyweight in the church to step in here. And, <laughs> and that is where we are right now with the broadcast. If you are just now tuning on, make sure that you share today's broadcast. It's going to be wonderful. It's, look, this entire series has been so good. We've never really done like a long series on these broadcasts before, but we are in week three, I think, of The Man Who Would Be King. And since everybody's right now, it looks like everybody has the ability to kind of comment. Will you drop in the comments some things that have been sticking out to you that you've really been grabbing a hold of throughout this series? And there's, oh my gracious, there has been so much. We've gone from Saul to David in the field to David killing Goliath to now David's going to be in the wilderness after he was anointed to be king. Like it's, we've, we've covered a lot of ground in the last couple weeks, but the Lord has just been pouring out nugget after nugget after nugget each day on these broadcasts. So what's something that has been standing out to you? Um, Prilla says the series has been so, so good. 100% agree. 100%. And now whenever I hear like myself say 100%, I only see the like emoji, like 100 with the line underneath it. I just visually see it. <laughs> While y'all are commenting, I think one of the things that um, has been sticking out for me, Pastor, by the way, Pastor is on his way here. He got caught this morning. Not bad. He just, he just got a little bit wrapped up in doing pastoring things. Um, and that happens often because we have a pastor who loves his people, who loves his sheep. So he took time this morning to love and take care of one of the people that he's been called to minister to. So he's on his way. He's actually watching right now in the broadcast. So he's watching all of these heathens say that chocolate is better than oatmeal raisin, but I mean, it's fine. We know where the truth lies, but it's, it's, it's fine. Anyway, so he'll be here soon, and when he gets here, we're going to hop right into the series. Um, I'm going to read what Pearl says before I talk. The humility from the start with David from child to king. For sure, David's humility was what made him the king. If, if he wasn't humble, and Marky says, too, the importance uh, to, of getting rid of pride. Look, if, if there's pride, like pride, pride is a killer. And 
it's often something that we mostly only see one side to. Um, like a lot of people, they'll think of pride and it'll be in the boastful sense that pride can be in a, well, I, you need to listen to me. I'm anointed to be king, blah, 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 blah. But there's a second ditch with pride where, you know, pride can think of itself as too high and pride can also think of itself as worthless. And both of those ditches are prideful. And so pride in any way, whether it's boastful or whether it's self-condemnation, it's still pride. And pride is something that will sink a leader. Pride opens doors that that allow the enemy access to us. So humility on David's part was so key. And we've seen it destroy so many people, not just during this series, but I'm sure you can think of someone or even yourself in different areas. I can think in my life of areas where I've let pride creep in and it's caused just a whole bunch of mess because I didn't deal with it. And so getting rid of pride is a huge thing. Um, <laughs> Pastor's mom, Miss Jan, she's over there dropping the cookie monster gif. I didn't know you could put gifts in here. That just changed my commenting game. Uh, Prill says, when Pastor was talking about Saul's armor versus the stones and slingshot to kill Goliath, really, really good. Absolutely. <gasps> Pastor Brian says, oatmeal cookies are good. <laughs> Vindicated. It's cool. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Arabella on YouTube said the obedience that pastor talked about and the faithfulness that David had absolutely absolutely and you know that's really what humility is humility is being willing and obedient to acting God's word on his word to do whatever it is that God says that's part of it you can be obedient in your actions but if you're spirit isn't obedient, like if your heart's not obedient, then there's pride there. Like it all bleeds together. It all is interwoven. And so you can't, like for me, there have been times where I'll hear stuff like this and it's like, yeah, I'm going to work on obedience, but I'm not going to work on pride because that, that doesn't seem like a good idea right now. And you can't work on one and just leave the others. Like it's an all or nothing thing, which is why this series you know, pastor said at the beginning, he wanted us to take down notes on things that a leader would be. I funnily thought, funnily, that's not a word, is it? I don't know. I amusedly thought that pastor was going to be like, number one, a leader does this. Number two, a leader does this. And here we are in the midst of week three, and that hasn't happened because a leader does so many things. That's, and it's all tied together with stuff. Uh, Pastor Brian wants to know, what questions do you have about the character of being a leader? Good one. What questions do you have about the character of being a leader? Um, I'm going to scroll up and read some. Um, Julie says, covenant teaching was excellent. Oh my goodness. I love, love whenever Pastor Brian and Pastor Nicole teach on covenant because it's a game changer with how we receive stuff. Absolutely. Deb says, Deb's talking about chocolate chip. I'm just skipping that. It's fine. Oh, and look, Pastor Nicole responded. I, we're just ignoring the chocolate chips. Evangelist Stephen Philip Hurlbert is with us, ladies and gentlemen. 
you only get an entrance like that into the broadcast if your wife is with you because Michaela Hurlbert is God's gift to the earth and to me. So hello, Evangelist Stephen and Michaela. I love you. But yeah, what questions about the character of a leader do you guys have? I was, <laughs> I'm dead. I was saying yesterday, yeah, one of the things Pastor talked about yesterday was the importance of being glass house. And that was not something that I appreciated when I moved here. It wasn't something I appreciated having to go through because for a really long time I was really guarded. Um, and I didn't want anyone to see that I had flaws because I just assumed I could pretend they weren't there and they didn't exist. But I also had a fear that exactly what Pastor was talking about yesterday, that if people saw my flaws, that they wouldn't respect me or they wouldn't they wouldn't follow me if I was called to lead them or different things like that. And the more I've I've grown as a Christian, the more I've grown as a leader, I've realized the importance of being glass house because it's in those moments when you're transparent and you're vulnerable or you put yourself in a place where it could feel vulnerable. What you end up doing is you open up a door to humility and that humility, it tells us in the word, humility leads to grace and a greater grace. So I could give somebody an instruction and they could follow it. But when I allow myself to be humble and to teach through experiences and to allow myself those glass house moments, what ends up happening is a humility comes in the middle of a situation and I, there's a grace that God pours out. And I, as a leader, then have a different sort of grace to help teach and help lead and help guide that wasn't there before the humility. And people just, this isn't necessarily Bible in the back of my head, but people respond when they can tell that somebody's being genuine. You know, when somebody is being honest and they're being real, people people know what real looks like. They see fake all the time. But when you're real with somebody and you're glass house and you talk about God and his love and his goodness and how faithful he is, you know, it, set, it tells us in Revelation that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You know, God working through you and helping you to overcome in those glass house moments is the word of your testimony that not only will help you overcome situations, but help others around you overcome. The word of your testimony in those glass house moments is huge. And now let's return to the comments. Stephen, that was not an answer as to whether or not your wife is with you. I want to know if Michaela is watching. <laughs> um, Marky says, I need to work on the glass house thing more. I'm thankful to have such great examples of that. Everybody needs to work on that. Everybody does. That's I need to work on it more. I, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of this stuff, and I think Pastor said it over the last couple weeks, We, I'm sure if you have watched this broadcast, and share it if you haven't shared it yet. But I'm sure that there are those of you that have watched this broadcast and you've heard different things that Pastor has said. Maybe not the majority of it, but I guarantee you, you've heard different points somewhere, somehow along the way. But the thing of it is, is that we never arrive with the Word of God. You know, we never 
have arrived at the limits of all that the word of God can mean. So just because we've learned I need to be glass house back a few months ago, the Lord's going to continue to reveal revelation over and over as we give ourselves to it, just like he will with any of the rest of this stuff. So as we yield ourselves and give ourselves to this teaching and what the Holy Spirit's pouring out, even if we know 99.9% of it, the Lord can take that 0.1% that we didn't know and just blow our socks off with it because that's how big and how good he is. And then he can expand the other 99% of it too. It's just, it's so good. <gasps> Michaela, I don't know why Stephen is not like excitedly putting exclamation points like, yes, she is. She's so great. I agree with you, Barrett. She's the best. But I'll, I'll do it for him. That was me doing it for Stephen. I'm glad you're there. I miss you. I miss both of you. I'll, I'll give that to Stephen. It's cool. But he says, how do you lead people who don't want to be led? <laughs> Pastor Nicole, because there's a purple heart, says, buddy, well, you can't hog tie and drag them behind you. That didn't work, or so I'm told. <laughs> I'm excited for Pastor to answer that one. Make sure that you're putting your questions in. You know, Pastor's going to be here in a minute, and I'm sure he'll answer. I, I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> I have my thoughts and my opinions, but you know, we had a question kind of like that at, um, at a life group last week. Somebody asked, how do you help somebody catch on fire when they don't necessarily want to catch on fire or they're not hungering for God? How do you make someone hungry for God? And I'm not going to speak for pastor, but I hear that same sort of question in how do you lead someone who doesn't want to be led? And immediately what came up to me after I said I'm not going to answer <laughs> was you lead by following. You know, so it's somebody's choice whether they get hungry, whether they get caught on fire. It's somebody's decision whether they're going to lead somebody or not. But leaders must first be good followers. So I'm sure pastor can answer this from a pastoral standpoint, but if I want to lead people and they aren't following me the way that I want them to follow me, I need to make sure that I'm following my leaders the way that I should be following them. I need to make sure that I'm hungry for God if I want others to hunger for God. I need to make sure that I'm on fire if I want other people to be on fire. And for me, that's helped me a lot because instead of getting frustrated with a person that I can't control, it then causes the focus to turn back on myself. And I can't control what somebody else is doing, but I can control whether or not I'm setting a good precedent for them to follow. I can determine whether I'm, lead, I'm following my leader correctly. So that's what I would say. But Pastor just pulled up. He'll be here in a minute, and so he could probably answer that differently too. Um, Buddy says, I love Southern analogies. I look forward to learning more. Don't just look forward to learning more. Look forward to having them come out of your mouth as well because it will happen sooner than you think. I'm just saying. Sharon Honeycutt, I love you. And then I see Michelle Wright says, your cousin Oliver and I are sending our love from North Miami Beach, Florida. We just logged on. That's so cool. Fam for pastor. Miss Jan, pastor's mom, your mom, uh, 
says, when God raises up a leader, he or she doesn't always fit where our job description might be. It's his calling. We have to trust him and submit to his leading in them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not, and, and pastor's going to be getting into this um, either today or tomorrow, depending on how the Holy Spirit leads him today. But, you know, David, when we get into the wilderness, David is being hunted by his mentor, by his leader, by somebody that the Lord appointed over him. You know, it's not just Joe Schmo down the street decided he didn't like David. This was David's mentor, someone he'd given his life to serve. And yet David honored him the whole time because regardless of what somebody else's character may or may be, whatever their choices may or may be, we can't control them. We can only control what we do, what we say, what we think, and how we respond. And a true leader, a marker of a leader, is that they respond only at the leading of the Holy Spirit the same way Jesus did. Only saying what the Father says, only doing what the Father says do. And so that's, that's a marker of character for a leader, for sure. Buddy had a question um, as you hop on, Pastor Brian saw. <laughs> make sure that if you have more questions that you are leaving them in the comments pastor brian is here he'll be on in just a minute but if you have questions we want to hear them we want to see them part of the whole pastoring anointing that and gifting that our pastor walks in is he loves to help disciple and raise up people that the lord has called him to help raise up and so if you have questions ask him he there are so few people that are as patient <laughs> to answer questions as Pastor Brian's. If you've got them, drop them in the comments below and share the broadcast today. It's, it's important. This entire series is one that I fully intend to go back and just play on a loop <laughs> over and over again. Like Groundhog Day, but, you know, spiritual. <laughs> Michaela, ah, I'm glad you missed me too. I need to play with you on that house party app thing that you told me to download. I have it, but I don't know how to use it. And so every now and then it just tells me that Stephen Hurlbert's in the house and Michaela Hurlbert's in the house, but I don't know what that means. It just, it's just alerting me whenever you guys are playing games. So anyway. <laughs> Stephen has a house party app that he's not told me about. He didn't tell me about it. Michaela told me about it. But he's on it. Yep. But he didn't tell me about it. Yep. Mm. That sounds like someone did not protect the anointing right there. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you decide who. <laughs> I haven't used it with Michaela yet, but I do have it in the prospect of using it. And in her statement to me for it, it was so that we could all play together. So I maybe the expectation was that I was supposed to communicate it with whoever I wanted to hang out with the Herbert. I appreciate I your protecting him and being nice to him, but that's not. You hear that, Stephen? I was protecting you and being nice to you. You hear that right there? That doesn't happen often. Sure he should doesn't. he should praise God for that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not responding. He probably just hopped off. You know, wanted to get his name shouted out. Nice guy. Probably so. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody somewhere is like, jeez, man, yeah, no. dang. <laughs> they don't know. They, they don't, don't know, know the relationship. <laughs> I hope he's still on. I hope he heard that. I'm so tickled right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's his humor. He would love that. 
good one. So those are good questions that people ask. Yeah. Do you want and, me to read uh, them to you? Yeah. Buddy wanted to know how you Yeah, let's hold on to that one. Just kidding. <laughs> buddy didn't Sorry, want to know buddy. <laughs> No. I, uh, first of all, I was... Uh, I had multiple things that came up and it put me a little bit behind, but just ministering and loving and helping. Yeah. And so that's where I was at. But uh, it was good. I heard some of your answers. They were good. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, on YouTube, Arabella asked, if you are a leader, how do you help a person understand what they did wrong, but not being too harsh? That's a great question. That's a really good question. Now I have to figure out, Arabella, is that you wanting to learn or is that you being corrected? That's what i got to figure out right now. Arabella, our, our teenager that watches every day. Amen. We love Mom, you. Mom, Pastor said you can't be too harsh to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> let's, go to the, let's go to 18 minutes, 20 seconds. <laughs> let's great, watch it. A great question. So funny. What was the other question? There was one maybe Deb wrote or somebody put up there. Um, Deb's been like talking trash about her cookies, so I stopped reading her. I'll go back to see if there's something. <laughs> oh, I think it was uh, my mom wrote something. I don't think hers was a question. Yeah, but um, it was uh, It was when God liable. raises up a leader, he or she doesn't always fit where, what our job description might be. It's his calling. We have to trust him and submit to his leading in them. Yeah, that's true. Not everybody uh, believes in the, not everybody believes that things should be handled. They think it should be handled. Uh, <laughs> Arabella, she said, it was me wanting to learn. <laughs> we love you. Uh, many times um, people don't handle, so just sit here and help me with uh, questions if you would, uh, Barrett. But uh, many times people don't think that the, they don't think that the answer that the leader comes up with is what should be done. And so many times we're sitting there in a situation that is not really uh, what the way we should be thinking towards it because if they don't do it our way. But there's so many different ways. For me, uh, in my life, I was raised and I grew up um, being opinionated for sure. But it was also an opinion that was based off of uh, meditating on it. And you've learned as being in, you, you can confirm, I mean, as being in leadership, there's very few things that, you know, I've not been meditating on, praying on. You know, every now and then something will take me by yeah. surprise. But a lot of times I've spent time in prayer. I've spent time thinking on it. And so by the time it reaches me, I have an opinion formed on it because yeah. I've already been praying and meditating right. on it. And, uh, but so I've, I was raised to think out issues and right. think out solutions, think out these different things. And so that led me naturally, wrongly, uh, it led me naturally to think that my way was the only way. And uh, of course, then you go into uh, the military and there's the leader that is the positional leader that says my way or the highway. And uh, that was very much the way I was raised. That was the way I was. And I found out though that it made for a bad pastor. And because 
it's not necessarily my way or the highway, and when I think that it's my way or the highway, I'm messing up. Yeah. So uh, many times that is not the leader that we need to be. And so the leader, first of all, needs to model that, that, hey, we can do it different ways. And we've had multiple things that the leadership team has done where they say, we want to do it this way, and I said, okay. You know, a few years ago, I wanted to move the time uh, to a different time. But the whole leadership team, I don't know if you were, you were on there then, but the whole leadership team said no. I mean, everybody agreed no. I said, okay, then that, that's fine. That's what I have y'all here for. And if you're in unity, I'll get in unity with y'all, you know. And, ooh, that was a step for Brian. <laughs> that was a step because that's not the way, that's not the way I used to think. And you know what I bet another step was? Having me be your assistant. You know how similar Pastor and I think oh, on how we, to do things? We do things? not think the not same. Not on Bible. We, Bible's different, but yeah. on approaches to things. Logic. <laughs> it is a different train of thought. And Physics. yet the Lord said, Barrett <laughs> needs to help Pastor. I, that's the truth. I remember one time I said, hey, Barrett, go write this on the board. And I started telling her what to write on the board. And I was like, stop. Just stop. <laughs> what are you writing? Like, you remember that? Okay. I was like, what in the world are you writing down? I because said, in my brain, it and, made sense yeah, that way. Your brain, <laughs> it made sense to you, but it did not make sense to me. And I was like, that's not what I wanted on the board. I've had to train my brain in how to think like pastor <laughs> in order to get information. That's a great exercise. And, and I've had to train, I've sought to train mine, yeah. like how you, to see it more the way that you see it. So it's been a great exercise. There was one time in the... In the pastor's forum, especially, I think was my favorite point. <laughs> pastor was teaching on this specific thing about how you need to let people on your team that think different than you. He's like, Barrett, go stand up and point to the different things on the chart. <laughs> I didn't even understand how the chart works, so I just started pointing. He's like, nope, stop. This is an example of this. Barrett is one of those people. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that moment. I didn't even need. I didn't even mean to make an example. I, but when I asked you, it was an example I in the making. The example. It was great. <laughs> you need people that think differently than you. I, I remember that specifically. Both of those incidences. You can tell when it when it crosses my way of thinking when it sticks out like that. <laughs> But here's the thing, when you have moments like that and you go through that, mm -hmm. that makes the relationship stronger. Yeah. You know, uh, she knows she can trust me to lead with compassion and heart and forgiveness because we move beyond something that was totally crosswise to how I think. And I know that I can trust her because even though our thinking is not the same, She's still faithful and in that way. So it builds trust and confidence in the team. And uh, the, a leader has to understand that. And they have, to, they have to know that there's a different way of looking at everything. And it's good. Not, not talking about the absolute uh, nature of the word. Not right. talking about like there's right. a different way to look at God is love. God is love. It's absolute. It's black and white. But uh, there's a different way to solve different items on the table and uh, that there's different ways there's different means you go about it this way like for me uh, one of my uh, major points is in technology I have a certain way of doing things and I have a way to uh, avoid traps 
and causing myself problems. So just a couple of days ago, I was showing you, so I said, do it this way, and you avoid the option of messing up in yeah. the future if you'll do it this way. And, um, but when I'm, because technology is something that I'm good at and I have my own way of approaching it, man, I'll sit in front of somebody else and they'll be just moving the mouse on the computer and, and I'm sitting there cringing going, oh my gosh, why are you doing that? Why do you do that that way? Stop it, stop it, yeah. Why click twice when you can click once? It's a great example. <laughs> These have all been things Pastor and I have talked about, every, all of them. <laughs> if ever this is getting brought up, I'm probably an example somewhere <laughs> for being at the midst of it. Yeah, that's true, but that's what makes a great team yeah. is you have variety of thinking and thoughts. And, you know, I remember when I was telling the leadership team to bring you on, we call the leadership team the ELT, the executive leadership team, um, I was telling them, I said, she has a different way of thinking, and we need that on this team. Uh, we need her youth, and we need her way of thinking on this team, and it's true, we did. And it added, uh, it added perspective. So a leader is going to do things, going back to the original uh, comment my mom says, which reminds me, I need some tech help. <laughs> uh, just call me, and... Uh, <laughs> We'll see if I answer. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> call uh, right now. It's a good time. Yeah, call right now. We'll see if I answer. And uh, <laughs> love you, mom. Praying for you. Mean it. Your and <laughs> Deb says he's cringed at my mouse navigation. Deb, I may or may not have been thinking about you when I said that. <laughs> It wasn't you. It was Deb. <laughs> could have been George. Could, like, could have been anyone. <laughs> I was sitting there going, why do you do it that way? That's so inefficient. <laughs> but that's by giving ourselves to other people's thinking. Many times I've had people that are watching, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're laughing, Mom. <laughs> she laughed at my... Oh, was it your mom? <laughs> it was. Yeah. I'm glad you're laughing. and That's good. <laughs> You got the joke. <laughs> or was it? Deb said, I knew it. <laughs> but here's the thing. Many times when I've been helping somebody on the computer and I'll do something, I can't tell you how many times somebody's gone, wait, what did you just do? How did you do that? Because by opening yourself up to ways that people do things, you learn. And I've, you know, that's why... Yes, like watching Deb move her mouse around on her computer and do certain items has challenged me. But I, I take as much of it as I can. <laughs> Why? Because I may see something that she does that makes more sense. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, but I may learn. <laughs> <laughs> but no seriously which is legitimate humility because you're like well pastor is genius <laughs> compared to the pop mass population of people with computers definitely compared to deb and i on a computer so him being humble to see if he knows can learn something from us is 
in my head laughable, <laughs> but it's humility. Like that's, that's a big thing. But I think I think I did see one thing one time. <laughs> she said, "Bless." <laughs> um, one one thing though is no, truly. I want to watch how people do that. And there are things that if I'm, if I'm good at, I don't want to sit there. But it's good to sit there. It's good to force your flesh to do that because you, you not only do you see possibly and potentially another way to do it, but here's the thing, especially as a leader, you see how other people think how they process through stuff. And if I don't understand how they process through stuff, then I may be able to help the tech guy, but I won't be able to tech the art, art person, the person who thinks in terms of art and you know, thinks that way, which is you. you know, you're more creative, art-minded. Um, I'm more technical, logistical-minded in that way. So how would I be able to help you if I didn't understand how you approach things? So as a leader, uh, you need to make sure that you open yourself up to see different people. I, I have, um, I'll add one more point to that, but going back to it, but as somebody uh, who is following a leader, which we all should be, although I, I'm a leader in certain elements, I follow and submit myself to people that God has connected me to, and I do things simply because they asked me to do it, not because I was going to, a, that's a submission uh, to them. <laughs> Nicole, <laughs> my wife says I taught him everything he knows about tech. LOL. It could be a word of faith to receive the anointing. You it could be it. faith speaking right there. <laughs> so anyway, so one of the things that's important is you're going to have things that you don't see or understand. What I've learned about my, I cannot tell you how many times in my life my leaders have said something and I've disagreed with them at the moment only to go down the road of life five or ten years and think, doggone, they were right. And so if we don't humble ourselves to our leaders, we will go, we'll have to pay the price of learning that. Yeah. But if we'll humble ourselves to our leaders and submit ourselves, uh, we can just receive their revelation yeah. and move in it, and it can become ours by impartation much, much quicker. Yeah. And that's a great lesson to learn. And it's such so important. And this society that we're in today does not think that way. It does not think in terms of humility and submission. It thinks in terms of independence. And it's really costing them. Uh, a lack of humility and submission costs people constantly. And uh, my, mom, my mom's on here. She, she brought a verse to me. Um, several years ago, I've, I've talked about it a couple of times recently, she brought a verse to me, and when she brought the verse to me, it was 2 Timothy uh, 2, 20 through 22, and when she brought the verse to me, I thought, she's missed it. I thought, nope, she missed it, but you got to understand, she is anointed to be my mother, which means she's always going to carry that, and let's say that she was not on the top of her spiritual game. Let's say that. Just let's pretend, okay? That doesn't mean that she's still not carrying an anointing. So whether she's on top of her spiritual game or not on her spiritual game, she's anointed to be my mother, and she can hear from God on my behalf because that connection is there, no matter where she's at in her spiritual game. Well, at that point, uh, she says... 
to me. She says, uh, hey, I just feel like the Lord gave you this verse. And she was really humble about it and everything. But I was literally sitting there thinking, she missed it. I, that's not true. But I had learned the power of humility and submission. I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself and I'm going to meditate on this verse. And I'm going to submit myself because she's anointed to be my mother. I don't, I don't care if I think she missed it or not. I'm just going to humble myself because she said it. And sure enough, uh, about three days later, I'd received one of the biggest revelations uh, in my life because I humbled myself. And that matches up with what the gospel says. It says when you submit yourself and you humble yourself, grace and greater grace is given. And when I submitted myself to what she said, uh, it doesn't mean that she's always right. You know, she would tell you I'm not, but um, it doesn't mean that. But when I submitted myself to the word that she gave me, I was blessed and grace was added to my life because I learned that humility and submission is so important. And humility and submission truly is opening ourselves up to other people and not just being an island. And so that was a great lesson. But what I was going to uh, say was this, was that many, uh, well, do you have any comments on that? I got to remember what I was going to say. I can make up comments. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about comments. I thought about it, and I was like, wait a minute, what was that? I've literally just been sitting here going, I'm glad he's going to keep going, because I don't know what I'll say, so go Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. It's so important to be open to other people. And this has been something where I have not always done this great. Like I was talking about being glass house earlier. There have been lots and lots of times where I've found it much easier to receive from pastors than I have even my own husband or than I have, definitely than I have just any Joe Schmo on the street because I have, for whatever reason, found it easier to receive from my pastors. Like, that was when we first got married. I don't know where this is going. This is Holy Spirit because I, I wasn't going to share this with you, so go team. But when we first got married, you know, it was a lot easier to hear constructive or just feedback, <laughs> things I needed to fix from Pastor Brian and Pastor Nicole than it was George. Because, you know, I lived with George. I saw more of George's flaws. I could see things that he was doing right. I could see things that he was doing wrong. He could also see all the things that I was doing right and wrong. And so when he would then tell me things and bring things to me to grow in and whatever, it was like, you're, you're going you're gonna to be the one to bring this to me? What about the thing you did 10 minutes ago? But what I was doing is I was cutting off my supply from God because God gave George to me to be a leader, to be the pastor of our house, to help shepherd me in that way, different than you, but still as a leader. And when I would just blow off what he said, when I would just blow off whatever was coming out of his mouth, I was cutting off my supply from God. That's right. And while pastors are absolutely called and anointed to be your pastoral shepherd over your life, God and over my life, God has also given other people to us and speaks through other people. Regardless of whether or not the vessel is perfect, God can use a vessel and use it for his glory. He doesn't require it to be 100% perfect 
perfect. He requires a person who's willing to yield themselves for him to move through. So when we expect there to be a perfection before we can receive from the person, right. we're not going to receive from anybody. And so that's what I had to do is I had to grow in it doesn't matter who this is. If this is the Lord, then I take it. I humble myself to it. If it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. Whether I like the message or not, it'll still be consistent, and it'll still be there. And the Lord will prove it to be right. He'll prove it to be right. I actually had to humble myself and ask him, is there stuff to grow in, learn from? Yeah. But when I'm prideful and think I know so much better because I can see your flaws, yeah. I just can't see my own. I'm going to miss it so big. If you think about it and you meditate on it, many times when we want to be argumentative or defensive or we just get irritated, uh, it's a pride because we think we know better. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, even I, I'm joking with Deb and, okay, maybe I do have some knowledge in tech, technology things. But you know what irritates me is I think I know more. You yeah. know, And that's the issue. And that's what... That's what each individual has to work on for themselves. Yeah. And so that's one of the major pieces that the Lord, the Lord basically, it's not every time. I mean, Jesus was angry with the money changers in the temple, and that was a correct anger. Yeah. But most of the time when we get upset or angry, the majority of the time is because uh, there's something prideful or ungodly that's actually operating there. Uh, most every single time, not every time. It's not an absolute, but a lot of the time. So I utilize that. When I find myself upset uh, at something, I will utilize that to shine the light on me, uh, which will be key. So what we'll do, I want to, the Lord brought it back up to me what to say. This is really big for leaders uh, when they're dealing with people. So I want to answer, I want to tell you this, then answer um, answer Arabella's question and then answer Buddy's. And uh, so, amen. Uh, your husband left you a message. He says, you are a wonderful what? wife. And he says, I love you to the moon and back. I love you. You're great. <laughs> that, was, so, that was me talking, even though it didn't switch to me. I promise it was me. <laughs> it wasn't just pastor. <laughs> that would be awfully I difficult. Love you, George. <laughs> that would be difficult for me to fake that. So, especially today, I can tell my voice is deeper today. Um, I, it's uh, when you minister a lot, your voice gets deeper, and uh, so. Is that something I have to look forward to? Like, <laughs> year twenty minutes. So everybody, <laughs> I was I was preaching the gospel today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that would be great or not, but I would laugh. You would be ministering. I would be in the back I'd rolling be on the floor, to you and who I'd would be not like. Hear me? Preach it, Barrett. <laughs> Preach it. Go ahead. Preach it, Barrett. Go ahead, Wazowski. Tell him. <laughs> Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. All right, so <laughs> Jade oh, says my. Barrett's a weirdo today. <laughs> Probably not just today. We love but you it's too, fine. Jade. Even Arabella's laughing. Thank you for commenting, Arabella. I'm going to answer your question here in a second. Um, so one of, the, one of the things for a leader is this, because when I was starting out, you kind of think, okay, if Barrett does this, then I will answer her and help to show her a way 
in this form or fashion. Let's go about it, plan A. And if so-and-so, let's say Deb's there, and she does the exact same thing, then I will also give her plan A to correct action. But that's not how it works because people are at different places. They're at different hearts. Sometimes they're in a prideful heart. Sometimes they're in a humble heart. They're at different places of their growth. They are completely different personalities and thinkers with different environments and atmosphere. Um, you know, I may, maybe somebody had a trauma in one area of their life, and whereas I would use an example of that area of life with one person, somebody that I've had a, has a, had a trauma in that area, I wouldn't use that example. Yeah. And so if I don't grow to know as a pastor and as a leader, this is not just for a pastor, but anybody who's leading anybody, um, if I, <laughs> all I saw was my wife put Shrek kid, I love you, daddy. Do the roar, do the roar. I love you. She Put said it, that when I hashtag do the roar. She said that when I minister after 20 years, I'll start talking like that. <laughs> I love you, Diddy I love God. You. I got to see that clip again because that is such a funny clip. I love you, Daddy. <laughs> hashtag do the roar. So anyway, I enjoy interactive interactive broadcasts. They're, they're fun. So... If you don't learn your people and learn where they're coming from and what motivates them, you will generally be a bad leader in that way. So we're not just talking about pastors. We're talking about leading anybody. And this is God's plan is to give somebody a vision. And it may be a vision just for their Sunday school class, but uh, it can be that to the worldwide ministry or a, you know, a Fortune 50 business that does billions of dollars God will give somebody a vision yeah. and then he'll draw people as a team into that vision so that they can be a part of that vision. Well, anybody that has a vision that has to deal with people needs to understand his people and understand their people, you know. And it's one of those things where they need to make sure that they have well-balanced uh, look at people that they are called to lead. And if they don't, it'll be very difficult because I can have, and here's the issue. Here's why I bring this up. Number one, so leaders will know it. Number two, so that people that are looking at their leaders understand there's different responses. Yeah. You know? Whereas one guy may do something that I totally disagree with, but then the Holy Ghost says, don't say anything to him right now. Another guy may do something that I just kind of disagree with, and the Holy Ghost says, correct them harshly. You know, not, not trying to be harsh, but they need to be corrected strongly, yeah. right, uh, in that moment. And another guy gets off, looks like scot-free, but it's not, it's, not, it's not sitting there scot-free. It's just hearing the Holy Ghost. You must lead by the Holy Spirit. You must lead by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and George says he does not receive your voice, your uh, Shrek kid voice. That is an example of my husband protecting <laughs> and rebuking things that I open. I don't believe that that'll happen, but it was a funny <laughs> moment. So a leader must see that there's different, you, you have to hear from God. Yeah. You have to hear from God. Multiple times. I remember one time in the leadership team, we were talking, somebody had been causing us problem at the ministry, and... Basically, the leadership team was getting 
frustrated with me. Like, why are you not taking action? And I said, because uh, God's not told me to take action. God's not told me to take action. And many times people, they do the thinking for God instead of allowing God to talk to them. And God needs to build the house, and that means he needs to be the one. You know, Do we think that God's not big enough to get our attention, or God's not big enough to speak louder? Do we think he's not merciful enough to get our attention? So many times people put words in the mouth of God because they think that, uh, you know, well, this is my job to figure this out. When you get to the place of reality of, of uh, intimacy with the Father, when you get to the, to the reality and the revelation of such an intimacy with your loving Father that you trust if you haven't heard from Him, now you're moving places. In other words, I, I've learned that I need to hear from Him, and if I haven't heard from Him, He's not speaking as long as I have been unbiased. If I will make sure that I'm unbiased in my approach to him and that I'm doing my part to spend time with him, prayer, worship, and the word, spirit-led prayer, spirit-led worship, spirit-led word, if I will do my part of intimacy and fellowship and I haven't heard from him, he's not talking about that, and that's okay. That I don't have to have him talking about that. Uh, uh, Buddy and I were talking uh, not too long ago about situations very similar to this. And it's okay if he's not talking. Actually, that's an answer. All right? You don't have to worry. If I'm not saying something, you don't have to worry about that. Right. Don't even think about it again until I speak to you about it. And that it's so simple. It's so easy, but people make it complicated. And so a lot of times as leaders, we don't want to say anything uh, unless God says it. So some people will say, well, why didn't you uh, talk to me when I was going through this? Because God didn't tell me to talk to you. You know, he knew where your heart was. He knew where your mind was. And if he brings it up, my job is simply to keep my communication with the Father open so that he can say and speak whatever he needs to at any time. And I've got no bias in the way so that nothing is blocking his voice. And sometimes I'm not doing that. Sometimes I just miss it. But for the most part, and then I can't tell you how many times where I call somebody and they're like, Pastor, thank you so much for calling me today. I needed, I needed this today. And it was right on time. But you can be assured. And so I take that approach as a leader in everything. If, I, if you get a present from myself and Nicole, uh, but a lot of times we'll get things together. But uh, specifically from me, sometimes we'll get things just because it's a birthday or anniversary or something. But if you get something from me, yeah. generally I've heard from the Lord on it. I'm, and I'm waiting. I don't like just buying presents just to be buying presents. I want something that's God-inspired, yeah. you know. And if you see me not getting you something, it's because I haven't heard from the Lord. And so, but people are very uncomfortable with that reality of intimacy with God. And they, and, but this is what I found, that if you follow the leading of the Lord, it's always awesome. It's always awesome. And if you don't, it, it can be mediocre. Yeah, it's stinky or mediocre. So it's one of those things where we want to get in our relationship where it's really on all the time with the Father, and it makes life so easy, so easy. All right, so Arabella's question, let's go back to it. What was, uh, if you are a leader, how do you help a person understand what they did wrong but not being too harsh? That is a great question, Arabella. If, 
If you could bottle up that answer, that would help a lot of organizations and a lot of leaders. And here, here's the answer to it that I've found. Um, Jesus asked a lot of questions, and he led people to their own resolve. So if I'm, if I'm a leader, then one of the things that I'm going to do as a leader is I'm not going to tell them necessarily how they're wrong unless the Lord leads me to do that. There's times where I'll do that, but it, that's a lot more rare. Uh, what I will do is say, hey, why did you ask this question? Why did you take this action? Okay, well, I did it because of this. Oh, okay. And sometimes, many times as a leader, I find out there was a variable in that situation that I was unaware of. Uh, so, for example, one time somebody didn't come to church. It was when we were a brand new church, and we, you know we had 20 people there. And listen, if if two people, three people, five people don't show up, that's a quarter of the church. And so then you have guests show up, and it looks like nobody's there. Oh yeah, this is a real happening church. Yeah, you know. So it's a very bad witness and testimony. And people, you know, we would have people stay home for no reason. Well, it's you know, there's a joke with preachers. Well, it's too cold outside. I'm not going to church. Well, it's, it's too hot outside. I'm not going to church. Well, it's too, too perfect outside. I'm not going to church. And they would find any reason to not be there is yep. what it felt like. Yep. So one day, uh, praise God, I had the wisdom of God because one day somebody didn't show up and they knew better. And uh, I, was, I was mad. I was really upset. And I was getting ready to call them and just, you know, lay them out like, you know better than this. Well, I don't know how this happened. They probably should have communicated it. They probably didn't communicate it. But had I just gone in guns blazing in harshness and correction, I would have missed what they told me next, which was, uh, well, I didn't show up because I was in the emergency room and about to die. <laughs> It was basically something along those lines. So had I gone in harsh, I would have looked like the biggest jerk, and I would have been the biggest jerk because I was only considering it from my perspective, not from theirs. I would have lost my influence and my witness with them. And so by asking questions, even if I think I'm right, it opens up uh, my ability as a leader to see other variables that are there. But here's the other thing it does. It helps to draw that person to their own biblical uh, stance, which needs to be our standard. It helps to draw us to those conclusions that will allow that person to have their own resolve, which becomes very important. So, for instance... If I tell Barrett to go do something, she would do that because she's submitted. But what if I'm not there to tell her what to do? Then maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. However, if I have helped her come to decisions on her own, and she, through my questioning as a leader, comes to resolution, comes to a resolve on her own, then when I'm gone, she'll still do the right thing. So many times what you see is leaders trying to tell people and delegate what to do, but then as soon as the leader is removed, it falls apart because the people don't have their own resolve uh, on the word in those areas. And asking questions helps to do that. Uh, at the same time, there is a moment. So for instance, uh, sometimes things, 
what would you think Luke would feel like if I just stepped out of the house and I just started blasting him, yelling, all right, he's six years old. Luke, how dare you? Stop doing that. I can't believe you did that. You know, what if I, what if I did that? How do you think Luke's feelings would be? Hurt, scared. Hurt, scared, confused. All right. But that's what, that's what Luke would feel because he didn't know the situation. What if we actually backed the camera up off of Luke and he was standing in the middle of the street and a car's coming? Now, am I justified in that? What looked harsh to Luke, and he still is hurt, scared, but I tell him, get out of the road. He feels hurt because he doesn't have the perspective that I have. So many times people that are following a leader, they do not have the perspective and they do not have the vision and insight of the big picture of what's going on. And so all they do is they take offense at something where he was actually protecting them. So many times, to give you an example of that, I had a situation where... So the person who's following, it looks harsh, but it's really not. So there's balance on both sides of that question, Arabella. Um, one time I had a situation where, and I, I told this not too long ago, uh, there was a couple that had, we had not started the church yet. Uh, we thought it could possibly move, move in that way, but we hadn't heard from the Lord yet. Uh, but they were connected to Nicole and I a little bit. And they started to disconnect. And I saw in the spirit, God enhanced my vision in the spirit, and I saw uh, that this decision for them to disconnect, which looked small, had the potential and probably would completely derail their life, and I saw their life literally uh, in shambles and in a bad, bad place. So I took that to them and I didn't think it was that bad. I said, I think this seems like a small decision to you, but I think it's a bigger decision. I probably just said it right then a lot better than I would have then because of experience of pastoring now. But uh, I said it pretty plainly, and I, just, I was trying to love on them and show them what I had seen. Yep. Well, they had not received me and submitted to me yep. as any leader in their life at that point. And... And that lack of submission, lack of recognizing the connections that God had made is so, it it was painful. And so one of the things that happened was uh, they ended up basically cussing me and going away. And of course, now the relationship was broken. And you get fast forward down down the road a few years and their life was exactly, completely, actually worse than I even imagined it. And worse than I saw it. And it was so what I'd said was exactly true. Uh, but they thought what I was doing was harsh and overbearing and everything because they took offense in that way. So there's a harshness sometimes that looks harsh to the person, but it's really not. But then there's a lot of times leaders are harsh when they should be uh, more learning how to ask good questions. Well, and I would also say, too, just because Belzy and I have talked about this a little bit as well, you've really got to make sure that you're called to lead the person. Like Pastor just talked a second ago about how they didn't receive him. They hadn't received him as a leader in that way. And I think a lot of times, Pastor was talking earlier, it's really easy to see faults in somebody else and see them messing up or whatever. And 
just because we can see something wrong, so many people will come in, judge and jury sort of situation, and say, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. But Pastor did a series a few years ago that talks about the two parts of, uh, the two parts of life, or the two parts of love. Two, two parts of life. Two parts of life. And the very first part is you've got to be able to receive God's love, and then you can help empower them to make a change. And so before... For me, like talking about me, before I go and, like, let's say I'm here at the church and I see somebody who's been here for a couple of months and I see them messing up in a big way. Am I called to be a leader here in this body? Yeah. I'm, I'm on the ELT. I, I'm in different leadership capacities. I'm a leader here. But have they received me as their leader? If they haven't, and totally if they haven't, different question. and if they haven't come and asked me for that guidance, then what I'm doing is I'm potentially number one casting pearls before swine. I could be telling them something they're not ready to hear, or I could be destroying a relationship. So, bef- even if you know you're called to help lead them, if they haven't received you as a leader and they're not coming to you with questions you unless holy spirit specifically says to talk to them you don't talk and you bring it to your leader and ask them for that guidance yeah it's very important and i learned that lesson in matter of fact in that same story i said lord why did that go that way and the lord said it's your fault i said ouch it's my fault. I said, how is it my fault? I was telling them what you showed me. He said, yeah, I showed that to you, but they were not submitted to you, and ahead of time, you tried to force feed them uh, submission. And I I wasn't being rude. You got to understand, I wasn't being rude to them. I was just presenting that. And so, but God called it force feeding. In other words, I was forcing uh, my leadership upon them when they had not received it yet. And so God really does care about the condition of people's hearts and their submission in that way. He's very mindful of that. And he got on to me for presenting that to him because I was assuming leadership. That's huge. Well, one of the things that uh, you've shared with me, because even though our approaches may be different, there are things that we think similarly on. And I... Like I just said, I liked to show people where they could grow in their life. Like this is an area that if you fix it, you'll go here. And if you fix this, you'll go here. And one of the things that pastor showed me was you can have a great thing. Like you can take ice cream, for example. You could be at Sweet Frog and your mouth has the capability of holding a certain amount of that Sweet Frog ice cream. But if you open your mouth up underneath one of those ice cream dispensary things, like you're pulling the lever down and ice cream is coming out, at some point you're going to reach your choke point. Like you're not going to be able to withstand anymore. And it's that leader's job to know the capacity of a person to know when they're at a breaking point of they can handle this, they can't handle anymore. And 
one of the one of the greatest moments I think I've ever seen of Pastor and Pastor Nicole is when that two parts of life revelation came out. Pastor Brian and Pastor Nicole stood up in front of the church and they repented because the Lord had shown them that they'd be giving people the list of things to fix first yeah. instead of giving them the love of God first. Out of a desire to love them and see their lives go higher, they put the list in front of the love. And as soon as they made that change of giving people love first instead of the list first, the entire body rose up because it was the love of God, the kindness of God yes. that helped draw men to repentance. That's exactly right. Uh, so as a leader, we must be focused on that love and not forcing that leadership. But at the same time, again, it's important to recognize uh, people like in a situation of a pastor and uh, or a shepherd and a sheep or a pastor and a congregant where they a pastor has spiritual authority in their life right. and they have submitted to them as pastor uh, now you have an okay, you've granted an okay for you to speak into my life. But just because people come to church doesn't mean they've done that. Uh, just, I, just because they call you pastor <laughs> or they say I'll never leave you doesn't mean that they've actually submitted. No. God knows and that's why it's so important to hear from him. But the other thing is that um, uh, we must make sure that we're not forcing that leadership on people and we, that people are submitted. But at the same time, like a parent to a child, they have a responsibility to look out. And if that looks harsh uh, to the child, the child needs to look at it and say, is there something that I, don't, uh, that I don't see or I don't know? And many times there is, especially if you have loving parents. And, you know, like Arabella, you do. Uh, but there's, a, there's one of those things where we have to make sure that we're not just being biased by what we felt. Right. Like, all right, I felt corrected right there. And when you go into Hebrews 12, 11, it says discipline for a moment feels sorrowful and even not joyful. Right. But those who give themselves to it uh, will reap the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we need to give ourselves to discipline. But this society today, uh, it is very much not a society that receives discipline. And the Bible teaches us in Proverbs, that's fools. That's foolishness. Um, that's, that is a lack of wisdom. And it is foolishness uh, to not receive discipline and not receive correction. So one of the things that we need to do is we need to get better at listening to discipline and our flesh is going, and that's what that verse tells us, our flesh is going to have a response to discipline. It is going to have a response to discipline, and it's not going to like it. You know, you, we need to tell our flesh, tough, sorry, I, you're submitting to discipline. So, uh, because the Lord says he disciplines those that he loves. So discipline is love. It's a part of love. But our society doesn't uh, enjoy that discipline. So moving on to uh, Buddy's, great question, Arabella. Moving on to Buddy's question. He said, how do you lead people who don't want to be led? <laughs> you don't. Um, no. Thanks for joining us <laughs> yeah, on the broadcast great. <laughs> today. Hope you enjoyed it. See you tomorrow. Um, well, you can... Huh? started doing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> That's so funny. George. Arabella said, thank you. You are so welcome. Um, there's a, if people don't want to be led, you don't lead them. Now, you can still influence them, uh, but you are going to have a hard time leading them until they make the choice. Uh, the week before we started Boomerang in 2011, or excuse me, 2009, the week before I spent it uh, fasting and praying, and seeking the Lord. And during that week, I read through all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I was just looking at some different aspects of the Gospel. One, the biggest point, the biggest revelation that stuck out, stuck out to me during that week was this, that Jesus never did anything right. except for the people that came to him. Right. In other words, they had to humble themselves and come to him. So... Uh, what I learned from that, and it was great for me to learn it, is if people don't come to you, they really don't want you right. or want to know you. Right. Um, they don't want to know what you have. So anybody that doesn't come to you in humility, they really don't want to know. Because one th my dad used to say something, he said, people do what they want to do. That is the truth. People will do what they want to do. If they want to be there on Sunday morning, they'll be there. And if they don't, they won't. If it, for example, in, uh, uh, in, in the Philippines, when we had, uh, a couple years ago, we had this meeting, people got, they packed on the back of these most uncomfortable trucks I think I've ever seen in my life. They would get as many bodies as they could fit and drive eight hours, 12 hours to come to this meeting. And then they would camp out on the ground all night for three days to come to this meeting. If people want to be there, they'll, they'll find a way yeah, to be there. Um, they'll find a way to be there. But if they don't want to be there, they won't. And that's just it. They, many people do not want uh, what they say they want. They'll say, they'll give lip service to it. But, well, I wanted to be there, but such and such. No, you didn't want to be there. Because if you wanted to, you would have found it. I mean, there's a few extenuating circumstances. But for the majority of situations, people will do what they want to do. And so if they don't want to be there, they won't. If they do, they'll find a way. You know, they'll find a way to do those things. And so if people are not wanting to be led, there's very little I can do for them. But I can do something for them, and this is what's important. Because I had a situation uh, many times. Hey, who is that? Lisa King? Yeah, she commented a minute ago. Hello. Good to see you. Um, is she friends with you? I, I don't think so. Not on Facebook. I know who she is, though. We met at the KCM prayer, right? Is that Miss Lisa? I don't know. I don't think so. No, that's not. Well, we welcome you, Lisa. It's good to see you. Good to have you on here. Uh, Deb said, can y'all just keep talking? <laughs> Boy, I haven't heard that all the time. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. As a about, minister, I know. Wow. Um, I don't know how I feel about being asked to be background noise, Deborah Ann. That's cool. <laughs> I, I, I heard, hey, I love hearing y'all talk. You heard your background noise. I'm just going to be in the background all day long while you work. Well, fine. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. I love you. 
So one of the things that I found, one time, this was a really interesting situation. I was on a team doing evangelism work uh, for a church, and there were uh, two guys in the front seat. I was sitting in the back seat. We went out to this guy's house, and uh, this guy was out in the country, uh, kind of in a rundown, you know, house. Uh, not, not, I would say not very successful at life is what it appeared to be. Uh, that was what I had to go with at the time. So we walk up to the door, and somebody had asked us to go visit him. And so we went and visited them and knocked on the door, and the guy comes to the door, and he goes, what do you want? And we're like, well, and, you know, we're thinking, great to see you too. We're so glad I'm here to love on you and to share the love of God with you. <laughs> and uh, Isaac Motley, is today your birthday if it is or even if it's not? <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> May it be the best. You're having a birthday sometime. <laughs> we love you, man. Happy birthday to you. And may this be your best year yet. So anyway, we go to this guy's house. He's not very successful at life, it doesn't look like. And he opens the door, what do you want? And we were thinking, I'm so happy we get to share the love of God with you. Uh, you need it. And <laughs> so we were thinking, that's kind of what we were thinking. And said, hey, we're from this church and we uh, just wanted to invite you to come to church. And uh, he cuts us off and says, he says, well, I'm not coming, but uh, you can come pick my kids up. No, please, no. I'm, and I was sitting there thinking, what a jerk. What a jerk, you know. You don't want to come to church, but it's good enough for your kids. No, that's not what it is. You just be happy to get the kids out of the house. What a jerk. Like we're, And then, you know, and my heart broke from, I mean, yeah, all right, the guy's being a jerk, but that's why we're there. We're not there to help people that got it all right and got it all together, acting and living like Jesus. We're there for people that don't. And, um, oh, did I put on, I thought it was his birthday. Nicole said she was honoring Isaac. Um, so I thought I saw that it was his birthday. If I missed that, I apologize, Isaac. Someday he's going to have a birthday, and you have preemptively wished it to him. Yes, I have. <laughs> Lisa said, oh, her sister Pam Kelly sent it. I, that, I know Pam from here. That's awesome, Lisa. Well, welcome to the broadcast. So uh, here was this guy, and, and I was thinking, man, what a jerk. But then very quickly, I mean, just the heart of God captured me. And I thought, man, my heart started breaking for this guy. Here's this guy that has no hope. He's got no hope whatsoever, so much so that when the people with the love of God come to his doorstep, he can't even see that God's reaching out to help yeah. him. And we got back in the car, and I'm crying. I'm like, Lord, how can I help this guy, buddy, who doesn't want to be led? Yeah. How can I help him? And I said, Lord, there must be an answer there must be an answer uh, to. There must be an answer to this. There, you, I can't believe that there's not an answer for how I can help this guy. I said, Lord, please show me how I can help. And so immediately, right there in the car, he said, "Go to Romans 12, 1 and two. And so let's read it. Romans chapter twelve. 
verse 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. In the King James. It says, therefore, I urge you. In the King James it says, I beg you. So this is the Holy Ghost showing us, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. So the first thing it does is, it says, present yourself. Yeah. Present yourself. And this is something that the Lord was reminding me. Remind me, as soon as I'm finished talking about this, um, as I was in the car on the way here, the Lord was bringing this up to me. Uh, to fix our problems, I want to just speak on it quickly before we get off. To be a leader and to fix our problems, our answer is never fixing other people. Right. Our answer always is work on ourselves, right. fix ourselves. And I'll, I'll dive into that in a second. But what he's saying here, first thing is, his answer to me to help this guy is work on yourself. Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy Holy to God, not holy according to our eyes, holy to God, acceptable, living sacrifice. So we're, we're not a dead sacrifice, we're a living sacrifice, so we're continuing. We're holy and acceptable to God by His standards. And He says, and this is a big key, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, uh, the King James says it is your reasonable service. So if God gave Himself, if Jesus gave uh, himself and God gave us his son, then our reasonable service is to give our lives holy and acceptable, a living sacrifice to God. So he says, this is what you should see if you've renewed your mind. You should see that I have no other choice but to do this. Yeah. I have no other, this is my reasonable service. And uh, so he says, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't be pressed into the mold of the world. And then he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which we know by the word. So one of the things that he says is you have to understand that to be conformed is that your mind and your thoughts are look like the world's. And they're pressed into the mold of the world. Even fear, you know, in this time. The world has tried to conform everybody's mind into fear. But God says there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So I need to allow myself not to be conformed to fear, but to be transformed out of fear... But I can't be a living sacrifice if I don't give my mind to be transformed. So many people want to hold on to what they felt and what they've been taught before that instead of letting God make these changes. And he says this, And when you're not conformed but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So when we give ourselves as a living sacrifice, we work on ourselves, we give ourselves as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. We perform a, worship is not just while music's playing. Worship is every action that we make, every choice that we make. It's a spiritual service of worship, a reasonable service that when I choose God and godly actions, I'm worshiping who he is. I'm saying you are worthy of my choice. That's a worship. 
And he says, and then I give myself to be renewed by the word of God. Then what happens in that moment is my life starts to become a proof. In other words, people will look at the fruit of my life then and my life will prove that God's will is good. My life will prove that God's will is perfect. My life will prove that God's will is worthy of accepting. And so it will start to prove. So when we live our lives in such a way like this, even if people don't want to be led, uh, for the people that will hear it, and not everybody will hear it, the Bible makes that clear, but for the people that will hear it, it will become a proof, like a spiritual magnet that starts to draw people to God. And this was the Lord's answer to me. In other words, buddy, the answer to the question is, if people are supposed to be led, but they're not being led, or they want to be led, or they don't want to be led, the answer to all three of those is this. Set yourself on fire for the things of God. Put on hunger and humility like you've never known it before. Work on yourself and that work on yourself in hunger and humility. When we get in humility, grace and greater grace is given. And when we get in hunger, God makes a promise you'll be filled. We'll be filled and we'll be filled with supernatural grace, supernatural power of God as we hunger and humble ourselves to God and we go after Him uh, living a life full of fruit, not just living a life that's in motion. We don't want just action. We want production, and that means fruit. That means we have the fruit of winning souls, making disciples, moving in supernatural revelation and power And we put on the fruit of the Spirit. These are the main areas of fruit that the Bible says is fruit. And so our lives should have fruit. And if it doesn't have fruit, we need to be asking the question, why does it not have fruit? And But when we get hungry and we get humble, then truly we will have fruit. And if we don't have fruit, it shows us that we're not hungry, we're not humble, and we're not really on fire. Okay, every one of us has been in that place, but don't get mad at God for telling the truth out there. Let's get humble and say, I need to get to the place where I have fruit. So one of the things that's uh, important that I was thinking about is many people always think that solving their problems, uh, that's basically the answer to Buddy is how you lead people is you work on yourself. You you are your first ministry. Uh, You cannot... You know, we love because he first loved, loved us. You know, you cannot get the log out of your eye before you get the speck out of somebody else's. You cannot minister to people if you have not worked on yourself and aren't continuously working on yourself. If you're not continuously working on yourself, uh, then you will be stale and stagnant and you won't be helping people. You'll actually be drawing them to stale and stagnant, mediocre, average as well. You must continually work on yourself. He says it also to Timothy. He says, Timothy, who was already leading, already pastoring, Timothy, study to show yourself approved. You know, be ready in the anointing is in context also what he's saying. Be ready in season and out. In other words, I'm always ready. Timothy, work on yourself. That's the best thing you can do for your people is work on yourself Uh, specifically for people who want to lead others, work on yourself. Um, It's a major point. But many times, that's the answer to Buddy's question in general. There's more I could add to it. But many times what people do 
is they will try to fix their problems uh, by finding what's wrong with everybody else around them. And that's, that's an issue because, see, even if everybody around, here, here's one of the things that they're missing in, in that. They think that if everybody else fixes their problems, their, their problems will be fixed. But what they're missing is those that honor me, I will honor. So see, I can, in the middle of my problems, in the middle of the worst stuff, start to honor God. And God has a responsibility to pour out honor on me. And that honor will solve the issues. So many times what they do is they look at the forces coming in instead of the one who can pull them out. They look at the forces coming in instead of the one who can pull them out. And in that situation, like for example, Job, a lot of people look at Job as a tragedy and the beginning of it, it is a tragedy, but the end of it is a victory. And how did that victory turn completely around to the place where he was double blessed and without discouragement and depression in his mind, he was restored. How did he get to that place? Because in the very first chapter, after all the problems happened, he hit his knees and said, I don't, I basically, in context, I don't know why this has happened, but no matter the reason, Lord, I worship you. I'm going to hit my knees and worship you. And so in that, that honor, that honor of God in the middle of it will pull you out of that. God will honor you. God will protect you. God will promote you. God will exalt you. But it, we have to work on ourselves. Most people make the problem about what everybody else is doing. Listen, I can be in the worst situation of life, but then I can choose to put on joy, rejoice in everything, rejoice, pray without ceasing. You know, this is in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. And he, and he says, this is the will of God. Be thankful, be thankful, rejoice. Pray. These are things to do always. Set your mind on things worthy of praise in Philippians 4.8. These are things I can always do no matter what I see, and I'm commanded to do them no matter what I see, what I feel, who's doing what. These are things I'm commanded to do in the Word. So I'm either going to do it my way or I'm going to do it God's way. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my way God's way. And when I do that, I'm honoring God, and God says, I'll honor you. And He can pull you right out of that situation. But most people choose, what I've found, most people have been taught to choose to focus on what everybody else is doing and the problems. But yet you can, and this, had Jesus done that in the boat, that boat would have sunk. But he didn't focus on the wind and the waves, he focused on God and and who God was in him. And he said, peace be still, while the disciples were focused on all the incoming problems. And when he did that, the power of that demonic, uh, storm in their lives was broken. What's I, I haven't really moved off of Romans twelve. You know, as you were reading it, um, you said the phrase like "I beg you," and as you said it, it's like I saw those words come alive in front of me. And you know, we're sitting here and we're talking about all these things that a leader should be doing and a leader should not be doing, and things that people who follow leaders should be doing, but. please don't miss the point that our leader, God, is talking and saying, I'm begging you, work on yourself. I'm begging you, 
Work on yourself. That's a great Present point. your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world. Transform yourself by the renewing of your mind daily so that you'll be found acceptable to me. Don't be conformed. I'm begging you, present yourself holy. I'm begging you, give yourself to me. I'm begging you, work on yourself. So leaders, he's begging us. Our ultimate leader, God the Father, is begging us, yeah. work on yourself. Give yourself to me. Transform that mind. You can do it. This is what you do. And as you do this, the result is you're acceptable to me. I'm begging you. Yeah. And why is he begging? Because he wants us to be acceptable to him. The leader knows, as pastor said, a leader has vision beyond what we can see. And just because it may feel harsh or it may feel difficult, that leader can see us in the middle of the road and says, step out. Our ultimate leader is saying, I'm begging you, work on yourself. I'm begging you, transform your mind. I'm begging you, do this and you'll be acceptable to me. Amen. Not only will you be acceptable to God, but you will influence the lives yeah. of other people. And that was something the Lord asked me in that car that night as I was weeping over this guy. I was like, there's a world that's hurting. What can I do? He said, can you make choices for that guy? I said, no, I can't choose anything for him. He said, but you can influence him. You can live a life that's on fire. You can live a life. And uh, let's look at one more scripture just to back that. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. I love this verse. It came alive to me years ago, and I quote it all the time. And it says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Who always, but thanks be unto God. In other words, God's saying, you should be giving me thanks all the time because I'm always leading you to triumph in Christ. But you notice the key is that he's not forcing triumph on you or victory on you. He's leading us to it. So we must, in order to get to the victory, we must take Jesus by the hand. That means we must do it his way. Uh, we can't just assume he's going to pour it out on us only and we do nothing. We have no part in it. Uh, he's poured out his love in that way, but once his love was poured out, his love causes us to love him back. It, it is the empowerment that it gives us the ability to use faith, to have hope. Love, his love empowers us to live this out. So over in Titus, I believe it is, it talks about grace, uh, his grace that love of God, it causes us to deny ungodliness. In other words, it empowers us to say, no, I'm not going to do that ungodly thing. I'm going to do the godly thing. I'm going to choose this way. So if we want to have victory all the time, all we have to do is take Jesus by the hand, who's always, thanks be unto God, who's always leading us in triumph in Christ and manifest. In other words, we're not just talking about, oh, we have a spiritual victory, praise the Lord. No, it's not just a spiritual victory. He's bringing that spiritual victory into manifestation. He's bringing it from the spiritual realm into the physical realm and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. 
in every place. Now, why is it? Look at the very next verse, 15. For we are a fragrance of Christ to those among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In other words, when we live like this and when we go after Christ as a living sacrifice, he's begging us to work on ourselves. When we do that and we're obedient to those things, he's always going to lead us to triumph and he'll manifest the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him is always a sweet aroma to us. It's always a sweet aroma. This is the proof of it. It's always a sweet aroma. And he'll bring it into being. And when he manifests it, there's a, a smell, a spiritual sweet aroma that's, lit, that's put out to the world. It's, you know, combine this with Romans 12, 1 and 2. You see the spiritual magnetism that happens. But watch what happens. The people that will receive the knowledge of God with a humble and a hungry heart, it's a sweet aroma. But verse 16, but to the ones who are perishing, to the one an aroma from death to death and another an aroma from life to life. In other words, to the one who's not hungry for God, who's not humble for him, it's going to be a reminder that they're on the losing side. And so some people are going to receive it well, and some people aren't. And this is why people that are born again can walk into a store, and all of a sudden, somebody in the store just despises them, starts cussing, a demon starts manifesting. Because you're carrying an aroma of the knowledge of God in just your peace and your joy. You know, I'm reminded of one time, I'm reminded of one time where a minister was on the airplane, and he, he was saying, the victory of God, this is for me. And a guy on the airplane goes, who do you think you are? In other words, the minister's reception of God's love was a sweet aroma of life to life to those who would receive it. But to this guy, it was death to death. It was a reminder he doesn't have God. He doesn't have the promises of God. And this guy got ticked and cussing at him and everything else because it was an aroma. So you're going to have people that will persecute you simply because you have a blessing from God. And that's okay. Understand that. Don't get uh, turned off by that. And don't hide because God has blessed you. In other words, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry that God's blessed me. No, no. You have a loving God. And to that guy, it may be death to death. But there's somebody else who's watching that it'll be life. And they need to see the good will of God, the perfect will of God, the acceptable will of God that manifests in your life. And God, how God phrases it in Isaiah 60 is, I want to take some of my glory and I want to put it on you so that you will be a witness. Amen. So we just call everybody that's uh, listening on here today. I, God wants his glory to be on you today. God wants his glory to be on you today. And you can have it just like that. Just by saying, Lord, I want your glory on me and I receive it. I change my heart to your way from my, my way to your way. Jesus, just say it with me. Say it out loud. Even if you know Jesus, it's good to refresh that commitment. Jesus, today, I make you the Lord of my life. You're the director. You call the shots and I'll be obedient. You're on the throne. Not my will, but your will is on the throne of my life. And I believe you died for me. And I believe you took my sin. 
And so, Lord, I don't walk in that sin anymore. I make the choice today. I'm turning from a sinful way. I'm taking you, Jesus, by the hand. And I'm letting you lead me from victory to victory. And I believe that you gave me the power to do that when you took my sin on you and took it to the cross and the grave. And I believe that God brought you back to life. And when he raised you up, he raised me up with you. And now I'm seated with you in heavenly places, far above all rule and principality and powers. And everything of corruption is under your feet, Jesus. And because I'm in you, it's under my feet. Jesus, I ask you, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me with fire of God that I may live like you want me to live. A life filled and a sweet aroma of the knowledge of you in every place. I give myself to you today and I receive life to the full till it overflows. I receive healing. I receive provision. I receive protection. I receive deliverance. And I receive restoration. All of that is a part of your gift of salvation. I receive it in Jesus' name. Now if you receive that in any part, just put it in the comments. I receive it all today in Jesus' name. I receive it all today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Well, tomorrow we'll be back on the man who would be king talking about the wilderness. We didn't really get into the wilderness today, but it was good questions and good stuff for leaders uh, and people that would be leaders to hear. And I'm glad you were able to be here, too. Thank you for opening it up. And uh, we hope you've been blessed. Glory to God. And uh, listen, uh, you do not have to do this. It's of your heart. But if you want to give, you can put in the uh, comments in Facebook, hashtag donate. Over on, um, on uh, anywhere else, you can go to givebc.org. I'll put it in the comments. Uh, but uh, if you'd like to give, you can just put in, well, you could put that in, put it on Facebook specifically, hashtag donate. But on uh, YouTube, put uh, givebc.org. So if you'd like to give, you're welcome to give to the gospel for that. Uh, if you uh, don't, you don't have to, but it's available. The Lord actually corrected me a while back and said, you're not giving people an opportunity to sow into the gospel, and there's people that want to and people that need to sow. And so I, wanted to, I corrected myself uh, for not giving that opportunity. You're welcome to. You don't have to. It's free. Uh, but that's, that's up to you and the Lord. Uh, so we love you. We praise you. We praise God for you, and we pray for you is what I was trying to say. And uh, if you need anything, you just let us know. We're praying for you. We believe in you. And we just give uh, God all of the glory in Jesus' name. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at noon. Bye-bye.